Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegan. Let's go. Let's go. Jacob. Let's go. This week is going to be so good for us. It's We have our son playing in Origin. I'm so proud of my little boy, Tommy. Oh, we love Tom dearly. I, can't, I can't I can't believe this, though. It's just no, because it's he, he, got, he got dumped on so much last year. And I remember it was the first game against the uh, Seagulls when he was just getting into every tackle he could. You know, I was like, you know, yeah, I kind of like him. I kind of like him. He's got good motor. Really? He gets into everything. Oh, oh, Um, you came out of Reddit retirement on the weekend. That was funny. Oh, my God. That was, there was a specific reason for that. Um, I was, I was very disappointed. We'll get into it. We'll get into it later. We've, um, we've observed. We've we've got some time for it. I've like blocked. Yeah, we've 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 blocked out a bit of time because I was very very disappointed. And now that the team list has come out today, oh, and that made another, ch- you're not going to believe what they did when you see it. I'm checking now. Uh, Where well, you're about to hear a live reaction of him reacting to the Tigers team list for this week. It's, it's a doozy. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. What the fuck? No. No, what? Luke Brooks, halfback, Adam Dewey, 5'8". Jackson Hastings, lock. Where the hell is Offengau? Offengau's prop. Offengau's yeah. prop. Oh, it's so funny. It's like, because this is, Oh, we'll get to it later because there's like one. Ghana interchange. What the hell? No, this can't be real, Jacob. <laughs> what? Okay, I get. No, Red Kamali is like when you're playing Auckland Nines on Rugby League Live and you just have a team full of wingers. It's, it's the Justin Holbrook center on the bench. Like it's, it's making that look normal. That's, it's so, oh, what? Cause it's like, you've got such a great controlling seven in Jackson Hastings and you know, it, <laughs> Luke Brooks. Oh my Lord. Jackson Hastings shows every week why you should give him more control of the team. And Luke Brooks, despite his best efforts, shows every week more reasons why you shouldn't give him control of the team. We, we have to talk about this game first. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we do. Okay. We're, we're going out of the order. The first game we're talking about is the West Tigers and the Parramatta Eels because, quite frankly, it was just incredibly disappointing. Uh, up until the 30th minute, the Tigers were winning. Uh, they were winning 12-0 against the Parramatta Eels. Uh, 30th minute, mind you, so it wasn't just like a sudden thing. It's 30 minutes of rugby league football. That's pretty intense. So the game the game changes because Justin Matamua gets sin binned. And when he's in the bin, we see Luke Brooks do... Basically, the questionable things, the, the unthinkable. Um, he it's second tackle. They're in the eels attacking zone. Now, you if if you're a halfback, what are you doing in second tackle in the attacking zone when you're a man down? 
like trying to play direct and get try and shorten their defensive line so then you can spread it out wide on like yeah so then you can kick on fifth to your wingers you have some of the you had two good wingers in that game let me look at who they were uh junior tupo and david nofaluma nothing so david has been one of your best all finishes is so what luke brooks does is it's second tackle they're outside the line I, I don't even, as much as you want to co- spread compress the defense a bit, another idea would be just to keep the ball. That's right. Um, just keep the ball and try and force a set restart so you can get the ball back in your hands and try and, because that way you're not having your forwards worn down having to tackle and you when you're amazing. Exactly. But Luke Brooks has decided to go for a risky attacking kick on second. Um. The circumstances, once again, they're leading by 12 points against a team with a stronger forward pack. They're a man down. They're in the attacking zone with second tackle. So he kicks the ball, basically ricochets off an Eels defender, and they go about 80 metres forward, and they get a try off it. Um, yeah. Um, I'm shaking. I'm not sure if they got a try off that one. Now, that... That was just one of the major cardinal sins that Luke Brooks had committed in this game. Because uh, it's, it's... The first part of the game was where it was really getting on him. So he's given away two penalties. One was for a ruck infringement where he's just gotten into the face of the Eels when they're in their own zone. And it was just a major piggyback. It just let the Eels march down into the other section of the field because, you know, you've got the guy around the 20-meter line the, the last thing you do is give away a penalty. Yeah. You don't need to do it. Um, then there was the... Uh, unless geez. you were desperate in that regard. Yeah, unless you're incredibly desperate. Like, if they don't win over, you lay on them, give off the penalty, let your team yeah. rest. The thing is that the defensive line was there. So yeah. there was it was not necessary. Um, another one was... So there was a really nice kick from Mike Acevo. Um, it was it was actually a pretty impressive little banana That's from the sideline. So yeah, that that would have been for Marnie's try, and that's oh, he obviously the ball. That's right. Yes. Yep. Yep. So this is um, at this try. The game is oh, it's what's the game for Marnie's try? Um, it's. The Tigers are winning. You know, it's it's twelve ten. Despite Luke Brooks' previous efforts, um, the the Tigers were still in the lead. Uh, but yet yeah, he instead of diving on the ball, he takes a massive swing and a miss. Um, which uh, which is ironic because didn't that happen to them in the Easter Monday game? Yeah, exactly. It was. It was very funny. It was very ironic. But, um, of course, it led to a try for the Eels. Uh, even if he dives on it and he misses it a bit, as long as he knocks the ball on, it at least gives the opportunity to restart play. And if it doesn't go wrong and he manages to recover the ball, then his team has the ball. Um, first, I, I do want to add to this, though. I feel wrong bagging Luke Brooks. and. <laughs> The, it's it's not just because, you know, he's a footy player and we don't like bagging footy players. 
it's because it's not for his lack of effort. It's, you know, he still, he gets into everything. He, you know, for, for 90% of the time, Luke Brooks actually looks like a solid NRL player. You know, when he, when he's digging into the line, he does it quite well. You know, he's skillful. He, he can kick the ball well. Um, but obviously we saw with the shanked kick last week, the swing and a miss today, it's, there's just that other 10% of Luke Brooks that can basically single-handedly lose you a game. Well, that's um, one of my notes I've got here is discipline yeah. is still an issue. And yeah, it's because, and that's what makes it so frustrating watching Luke Brooks. It's because you know that he's, it's in him to be a good NRL player. But despite him being quite good 90% of the time, the 10% is bad enough to undo the rest of it. Yeah. Um, because you look at, and it's a recurring thing with him and his decision-making, where there's times where a cutout actually is on. And I don't say cutouts are on very often, at least not as much as a lot of other people do. There was this one post by Twitter, Twitter user bagging Nathan Cleary in Game 2 for not drawing the cutout. Um, every time, which, yeah, <laughs> I think they did. I, I think they did fine not throwing the cut out on one specific play. Yeah. Um, is obviously he, that's the one thing Cleary is a guy when he knows when to go and he knows when the clock isn't up yet and when he doesn't have to go. And it's what makes him one of the premier halfbacks in the competition. Luke Brooks seems to kind of do the opposite when he has like a three on two and the last man in is beginning to jam. All he has to do is, you know, throw the cutout or even just do a Cherry Evans and hit the center. But he won't do it. He'll throw the inside ball. And it's just the puzzling decision-making like that, which it's what makes it so frustrating because, like I said, it's the actual skill areas are there. You know, we go to the, for example, Luke Brooks, once upon a time, he was had about 20 try assists in a season and about 20 forced dropouts. Um. You, you don't do that by accident. No. So that's what, it's what makes it so weird because you know that there's the possibility in him to be a fantastic player, but his on-field decision-making and penchant for errors and just silly, silly, silly mistakes uh, what undoes everything good he does. Well, okay, so I have notes written down. I do it for every game. One of the notes, so I have two notes. One's a positive, one's a negative. Mm. You have Dewey, Jacko, and Brooks there for kicking. They all three can kick a ball well. You can get them out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, they can get field position. And like you said, 20, was it 24 force drops out, dropouts in the season? Uh, yeah, I'll correct myself there. It was 22 force dropouts in the season from Luke Brooks, uh, but he didn't have around 20. He's got about 10. That was in 2018. Um, on the topic of forced dropouts, I just quickly want to talk about Toby Sexton. Uh, just a, a really quick one. You should see his forced dropout stats for the year. Especially for a 21-year-old. It's, like, it's, it's even bigger. So he has forced 20 dropouts in 16 games. How? The dude still has like another eight games to just keep forcing them. That's so, yeah, wow. But... Or, I, don't, I don't know how many games left this year, but yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's getting closer. So that's obviously a very good. A negative but, I have is you can just see the game plan of the Eels throughout this game. And it was so blindingly obvious. The moment Mitchell Moses got the ball on the short side, 
short ball to Isaiah Papalihi at Luke Brooks. Yes. They're targeting yeah. Brooksy. Yeah, well, it's it's very normal to target your halves, but I think the problem was, once again, Luke Brooks, um, in terms of, I'll try and get up the tri stats now, but he usually, whenever there's any statistical analysis of halves and their defense, Brooks does tend to go towards the bottom of the list. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously not, you don't want that. You, you, especially from a halfback, because they are, they're essentially the start of the edge. Uh, if you're not considering the markers at Ruck, mm. because it starts off the read that they make whenever they're holding off the line. And then you have the second rowers who make their decision, which as you've spoken about, I think before is one of the most important positions in the game for defending, if not the most important. Yeah, 100%. Then you've got your center who makes whatever read they do. And then you have your winger who just follows the center. That's yeah. all, all you really need to do as a winger. And you can pretty much just get off scot free because you, you're doing what you're told. Um, I, I will say and, the defensive line speed for the Tigers in this game, especially in the first half, was really good. I liked it. It, it was. It built pressure on the heels. And, like, they it, got handling errors from it. And I'm like, holy crap. This is yeah. something we haven't seen in um, Tigers this season. No, not at all. That was that first bit of 20 minutes is probably the first time all year that I can say that I think that the Tigers were winning a forward pack battle. And once again, that is what makes it so disappointing. Uh, that the game happened as it is. Okay, so here's Luke Brooks this year. Here's some statistics. Here we go. Let's have some fun. So he's given away nine penalties this year. He has nine kick errors, uh, eight kick errors this year. Uh, eight kick errors. That's, that's not good. Uh, so he's actually leading the NRL in five eights for kick errors. Uh, obviously, like I said, that is not good. You do not. You don't want that. Uh, he's also uh, nineteen general errors. He has thirteen line break causes, which is tied second worst in the NRL for five eights with Matt Burton. Person in first is Talatia Armone with fifteen uh, try causes. He is third for five eights with ten try causes. So that's, you really don't want that because for all, like I said, for all of his efforts, because, you know, he is, he is giving it a solid shot, but uh, he also has 57 missed tackles this year. So whopping 57 missed tackles, which puts him tied third in halves. The first is Moylan with 63, second is Talatiel Moan, 62, and third is Luke Brooks for 57. But something also want to mention with Brooks is that he has played one game less than all the people that I mentioned before. So, yeah, wow. Basically, that yeah, that sums up. Oh wow, the ru- that's big. Even with yeah, game. yeah, exactly. So that's on the topic that you mentioned with running a Brooks. It's standard strategy to run at halves, but teams know that when they do it with Brooks, that it's actually really gonna work. Guess who's like him it's again, but... <laughs> every. Oh, who's running? Who are they playing this week? They're playing Penrith. Brooks moves to the. Oh, right. he moves to that's the, a, moves to the oh. right side. 
That's kick out. Marking up against Lou against kick out. Yeah. <laughs> God, I feel so bad for laughing out of it. God, that's yeah. Probably have the best edge in rugby league at the moment. Yeah. Lou marking kick out Targo May and Luai, who hasn't been named. No origin players <laughs> named for uh, Penrith, by the way. Oh, that is, yeah, look. Bad time to move to the half. Yeah. Bloody it. Yeah. And the fact that you've got Hastings. Do you do a rotation with Hastings then? Because if he's I... defending a lot more than he would on the edge, he would get more tired and he would move yeah. a lot less. He's... So are you prepared yeah, that's... to rotate him off the field? Yeah, well, that's that's what makes you question it because if you look at their bench, uh, there's a couple there's a couple interesting things. I'm glad that they've retained Pole in the 17. Yeah, me too. He he had a fantastic game. You you don't see players play that well coming out of nowhere like he did very often. It was fantastic, and he was a big part of the reason that they were able to march down the field when they did. Uh, I'm also very impressed seeing Jake Simpkin back in the team because I watched him in New South Wales Cup for the. Magpies last week, and I thought that he had a pretty good game. He has this really nice ability to kind of read when the markers are on the floor, run through, mm-hmm. decent service, and he's also a Queenslander. So very, very good to see Jake Little back. Uh, not Little, Jake Simpkin back mm-hmm. in the team. Um. Um. So yeah, that's. Was, <sighs> I was good. excited for the Tigers, and then when the pen, when um when Pam Matter started coming back, I'm like, I'm turning this off. Yeah, I no, well, I was, I was like, and I'm not is, even a Tigers fan. Exactly. No, but I, I kind of pretended to be a Tigers fan on the weekend with one of my mates who's a Tigers fan. Um, and we just, we were devastated. I jokingly said after the game, I was like, this is it. I'm no longer a Tigers fan. <laughs> this has been the worst 80 minutes of my life. Um, it was. I would just like to add that this is a comment that was posted on your you, you post it in the Discord, but this is a comment on Jacob's post regarding um, Brooks. When Jacob, the most optimistic rugby league fan of all time, says you are garbage, perhaps it's time to call it quits. And I'm like, holy crap. But like, that was that was a pretty devastating roast. Um, yeah, that's a roast. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, look, I am not saying you, you didn't call, him call it quits. I will say I didn't that. call him garbage. I didn't call him garbage, and I also don't think he should call it quits. No, um, I just think it's time for them to depart. What I, yes, I think that what I do think is it was the most frustrating 80 minutes of football that I've watched in my life. <laughs> and I've I've watched some pretty frustrating half games. Um, like, I've seen a lot of things that just really puzzle me, you know, just basic coach killers. Yeah. But it's the fact that Luke Brooks had two massive coach killers in a row, really, with the kicking on second when a man down and the air swing at the ball and then the penalties and then the errors. And the fact that they've decided to respond to this by giving him more control, mm. by putting him in the center, that's... That's not cool. Is that... Yeah, that's... And it's to fit in Dewey, who I think is actually fantastic. Um, as a 5 eighth. I think Dewey does everything he can is that really considering the threat of saying either put me in five eight or reserve grade? I I think it, it's probably something like that. He obviously 
you know, there's a lot of talk that he was not very happy with playing in the center, which, you know. Well, what Michael Innes said on Fox League prior to the game. Michael Innes? Yeah, Michael Innes. Innes, sorry. You are there to do a, a job and it doesn't matter where you put. You go there and do that job for your team. You you are not above the team. You are there yeah. for the team. Um, not yeah, not bagging out Dewey, but I think that's is if one of your leaders has that mentality, what's everyone else have? That's actually a good point, um, and I think it makes the Dewey situation weirder because you have to ask why they kind of signed Hastings. Yeah, because I thought. Whoa. It was, yeah, and because that was the, that was what they spoke about basically when Hastings was signed. It was, oh, they're going to put Hastings in lock, which felt weird. I think it feels weird to see it actually happen, especially considering the circumstances of it meaning Brooks to seven when, you know, you probably do not want him in seven. So, I think Joe, Joe Offengauer has been amazing in lock. He has been. He's, he's been, been a diamond in the rough. Exactly. And I also want to add with Luke Brooks that, not Luke Brooks, uh, Adam Dewey, last year he played 20 games for the Tigers. He forced six dropouts. He set up 17 tries. So in that one year, Adam Dewey uh, beat Luke Brooks' career best for try assists just in his first season of playing, his second season playing more consistently, basically. Um, Part of that was spent in centre where he didn't do a good job. Yeah, he didn't yeah, like it. yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't play five eight in all those games. Yet he was the one that was setting up so many of those tries, and he averaged one hundred and five running meters. Uh, so, it's I if it comes down to it, who's who's the best five eight out of the three players that they have? Adam Dewey, I would say. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think he's a better five eight than Luke Brooks, and I think he's a better five eight than Jackson Hastings. Uh, who's the best halfback out of those three? Jack. Uh, it's not Dewey because Dewey doesn't play halfback. So who's the better halfback, Luke Brooks or Jackson Hastings? Well, I think you got Hastings. I, I'm, in, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty inclined to say Jackson Hastings out of them too. I, so it could be a loyalty thing why they put him in, back in halfback. Yeah, and instead of not putting him or dropping him. Yeah, but it's it's why it's such a complex relationship between Brooks and the Tigers because he's. So he's never been dropped in his career, but that's really, mm. that's really out of the ordinary. Um, because even, you know, no, no one really walked into a starting spot and never got dropped the way that Luke Brooks has. Cause usually you have halves who they have a few good games. They have a few bad games. Sometimes they'll get a crack, but then they'll go back to reserve grade to work on their game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not someone who thinks that every halfback's career should look like Jake Clifford's, where he probably gets dropped from first grade more often than the newspaper arrives at his house. Um, which I feel sorry for Jake Clifford too, because he's such a talented player, but yeah. for some reason he just keeps being the odd man out. Um, but yeah, it's it's just. Luke Brooks, I think when it's all said and done, it's going to have one of the most, the most fascinating career because it's so weird. Why, why is this man undroppable? What, you know, because you have the better halves in pairing and, you know, 
Dewey and Hastings. And it's like, by the you can also play Brooks as a utility if you want to. Yeah, you could. He's shown that he can cover the job at nine. You obviously need someone to take the spell from New Brown, who is an 80-minute hooker. Um, so it's... Uh, it's weird. They have Appy. God only knows. But, yeah. Uh, it's just I God think, only knows. I think we have to move on because holy... We do. Yeah. Um, That's... We'll go back to a our regular schedule programming now. Storm versus Canola. Whoa. Um, and that's a bit of a weird. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, uh, I was so tempted to tip Cronulla because of the form that Storm were in, but obviously I didn't, so I don't get bragging rights for it. Um, that was once again. I think that's going to be another game that forces a lot of people to, you know, admit just how good Matt Moylan is. Oh, there because it's. That shows it. Once, once again, he just, he's the anti-Brooks. He just always seems to do the right thing. I um, it's eyes up. Matt, Matty Johns is going to start sending us angry letters if he ever catches this. <laughs> uh, but he's, he just loves, he does that great thing that if you rewatch lots of old Jonathan Thurston games, and it's something you've spoken about before, keeping your eyes on the hips and the body weight shifts of the three in and two in defenders. Mm. And it's something that Moylan has been absolutely brilliant at, especially this year. Like he was always good at it when he was at Penrith playing fullback, but now it's starting to click when he's in that five, eighth role. He receives the ball where he wants to, when he's wrapping around and he's just able to let the weight transfer happen and get to the right guy. And it was just absolutely brilliant footy to watch on the weekend. It just, it felt like we were watching him dismantle the team, basically. Um, and it's once again, it's not something that always shows up on the stats, but, you know, he still had his two try assists, two line break assists, and that did show up. So, yeah. Moylan, really. Um, he's played a bit of fullback in his life, and he knows when, where and when a fullback should be. Where then, uh, we like to call it home, where home is position you were supposed to be at. At a certain time. So, yeah. Pappenhausen not being home, he saw that. He's like, you know what? I'm going to back my ringer. And yeah, he puts in the grubber. Um, it also ho- helps that um, Pappenhausen had to be, was on one side of the field coming over. Renato still got there. He- yeah, it's just, it's absolutely brilliant awareness from Moylan. And it's, you know, awareness, especially in that attacking zone, is such a massive part of your game as a half. You you have to understand what's happening defensively. And he just has this uncanny knack. You know, like, it's, it's not that he's lucking it out. It's not that he's got some fantastic guy, you know, in front of him doing the work for him, you know. Like, it's... That, that's not to diminish Nico Hines, who is fantastic. But they're very much working in tandem. It's part brilliance coming from Hines and his ability to engage the line and the ability of Moylan to actually use the space that he has. Because it's one thing to have a halfback give you the space. Uh, it's another thing to actually use it. I would also like to point out that uh, you can just compare the two ruck speeds of Storm oh boy. and Sharks. I've never seen a slower play to ball. I'm storming my life, I don't think. Yeah, no, that's 
it, it seemed that they just kind of had their number in that regard. It was it was only three point four six seconds on average, which is not actually a bad play the ball speed, but it's just that it came at the worst possible time. I would also like to point out the kick return meters disparity: one hundred and ninety for the Sharks versus ninety for the Storm. And this is exactly what we spoke about in our origin episode, the ability of, you'd like to talk about the back five, but I like to emphasize the back three because they're the ones that are in position to take kick returns. So if we look at the run meters for the back three for the Storm, it was 91 from Pappenhausen, 70 from Eremeyer, and 77 from Anderson. So nothing, nothing too good. If you look at it the same for Frenella, you, it's a bit of a difference. Uh, 103 for Mulatalo, 93 for Katoa, and 137 for Kennedy. But their centers, maybe I will take your back five thing. 173 run meters from Connor Tracy and 137 from Jesse Ramian. Imagine if Talakai was there. And also just to mention that not just Talakai, but there's also the option of them... You know, if, if anything happens to Will Kennedy, they've got Lachlan Miller, who... Alrighty, um, we're back. We had a back bit from of... a break in, re- break yeah. in recording. Break in recording. Uh, uh, so Lachlan Miller, I believe we were talking about. Yes. The, the Cronulla back five and their meter-making ability. And even if, as you mentioned, they've got Talakai who can slot into the centres instead of Tracy. Uh, and Tracy obviously ran for 173 metres, which is... Yeah, massive. Um, yeah, exactly. Which honestly, I does does that make you think about moving Talakai out of that centre role, considering he can't play second row? Obviously, it's like that's probably a bit of a quick suggestion of the week, because um, obviously they really do want to start Wade Graham and Britton Nakora. Yeah, but you also have Teague Wilton there. On the you bench. do also have Teague Wilton there on the bench. I Ooh. and it's weird because Teague Wilton is actually pretty good. I got to yeah. say though, it's a good problem to have for, for the Sharks to be able yeah. to have that versatility, especially because they they're going to be a playoffs team. Oh yeah, um, they they're fourth at the moment, I believe. Um, with the Storm loss and Cowboys and that's with second. yeah, and that's with the fact that the Sharks haven't been playing that well at certain points. But yeah. I believe that when the Sharks are at their best, because of the way that their attack is structured, which you've broken down a few times on the page. And their system with getting the backs to make the meters and the line speed from the forwards, I do think that they are contenders. Uh, yeah. Do I think they'll win it? I don't know, but I do think they're contenders. I think that they also have an incredibly underrated spine outside of Heinz and Moylan. Because mm. obviously we think we think Moylan is underrated, but it's we can't really say Moylan is underrated on our show because we talk about him every episode. Uh, but Blake, underrated. he is underrated. He is. Oh. People does it. People should give him more credit for his play. Um, but Will Kennedy is also pretty fantastic. Uh, Blake Braley as well. Mm-hmm. He he's been fantastic to watch as well. He's obviously great tackle bot, but his creativity at that we have is pretty nice. He can hit a good gritty too. <laughs> Again, he yeah. hits a great gritty. He's great support runner as well. Uh, Will Kennedy, I think his ball playing is very nice. He's a very busy fullback. He's usually pretty good under the high ball. A lot like KP. Solid defensively. How he goes to edges. And... Yeah. Yeah. Who I also think Ponga has been called overrated so much that he's actually become underrated. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I don't think people realize just how useful it is having having someone like Ponga in your team with this skill set. And I think we as as good as the Knights played. Oh yeah. Um, they I feel him. like yeah, as as good as well as they played, I think they did miss him just because that said though, I think whoever was doing the captaincy on the weekend did an absolutely fantastic job. But I think it was Oh well. He, he did a fantastic job up until a certain point. We'll um, get into that, but for, oh, that's one co- controversial thing about the weekend. The one controversial thing about this game is Brandon Smith. Now, it was just announced a couple of hours ago uh, a free match ban for Smith. Honestly, what do you think about that? Like, the entire situation is um, a bit weird. So, we'll start off with the six again that Brandon Smith was com- talk- wanting. Mm. Uh I personally don't think it should have been a six again because Brandon Smith was walking off the mark the entire time. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and I look that that's how Storm have played for ages, and I actually think it's a good decision from the ref not to take the bait and to not award the six again because you know the more you have players crawling on their ground trying to get every extra meter, I actually personally would have loved it if Smith just got back to him and said, "Oi." Um, yeah, that, but that's I'll have to watch it again and see if I think he was tackled. Honestly, but it does the, look the like constant... he has a second. Tolman has a second go at Smith. I will yeah, say that. However... Because I think, look, I think Tolman's second go comes away because you can either look at it a few ways. Um, either Brandon Smith was tackled at first, mm-hmm. and he shouldn't have walked off the mark. Then that would mean that Tolman's second effort was bad if he was tackled, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But if he wasn't tackled, then Tolman's second effort is okay. Yeah. Now, Brandon Smith's argument, if he wants a six again, is it for the second effort? Because if Brandon mm-hmm. Smith wants a six again from the second effort, then he's basically admitting he was tackled the first time. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. And if he's if he's admitting he's tackled the first time, why is he walking off the mark? He should, yeah, like what you said um, last week of how if you are losing momentum in the ruck, you take whatever you can and like surrender. I think that's what um, Smith should have done there. Yeah, well, just getting on your front and having the quick play the ball. Now, the big um, part about this is what was... caused so much uproar is what he said. <laughs> it was what happened afterwards. Yeah. Um, um, cheating look, bastard is... That's... Look, look. I, when, I play, when I play basketball, I used to be an absolute menace to referees. Uh, so, I guess... <laughs> um, but I I think I should have been sinbinned more in basketball, I, I probably should have been given more technical fouls. And for that reason, I also think the same thing should apply to Smith. I do think that mm. it was a justified sin because it's one thing to not be happy with a call. Like, we've we've seen it happen a lot. Obviously, we've got the meme with our gutho saying to the ref, that's a bad call, sir. That's a bad call. Okay, yeah. Clint. Yeah, um, that was <laughs> It was a great moment. But complain about a call, uh, but... Don't abuse the ref. Don't yeah. get angry at their credibility. That that was way too far. And obviously, Brandon Smith himself admits that he's gone too far. And obviously, because he pled guilty to it as well uh, at the tribunal. So he, Brandon Smith, obviously knows that he's carried on like a bit of a a bit of a flog, um, yeah. and has he's admitted it. And honestly, as someone who's you know, Smith a bit good on him, I actually think that his way of dealing with that afterwards. Uh, at yeah, the judiciary, and yeah, by giving the 
ref and apology especially i actually think that those were fantastic moves from brandon smith and i want to give props for that which you know obviously yeah. I'm, I'm not the cheese's biggest fan but i actually think that that the way he dealt with it afterwards was good that said i also think the three match ban is perfectly justified i think so um, too um yeah my thing is okay it may just because a bit of bias because if you're watching this on video on my wall I have my fantasy team made out of my footy cards. Cheese is my hooker. That's so good. Um, that's that's actually so cool. But at first, I thought he was talking to Tolman and saying, you cheating bastard. But looking back at it like today, um, yeah, he was looking at the ref. And he... Yeah, no, he... The a ref... fan offered him out to fight. That was... Rare. Yeah, that was a bit... That was that was bad from the fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, as much as, yeah, I'm not, look, fans can be absolute. They can be pretty not great at games. Uh, and obviously, you know, give. <laughs> there's a certain level at which you go to for players when you're heckling. Yeah. Uh, like it's, you know, it, I think we've all seen the infamous Where's Your Queensland Spirit Now Thurston video from the Tigers <laughs> fan. I, I think that's an all-time classic. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, also, the Dragons fan giving it to Adam Dewey saying that, oh, you're pointing it too far to the right. You need to compensate for the goal kick. I think my favourite is when Kronk first went to Roosters and a fan goes, kick it, Kronk, kick it. Kick it like it's Cameron Smith's head. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow. Was that that so- point- I, I don't know what's I don't know if there's like bad, bad blood between those two blokes. I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I, I think they're pretty happy with each other. It's um, just people speculating. And you know, yeah, exactly. Frank's a very private person. So yeah, I I actually quite like Kronk. I Smith I think even he commented about it in his book, I believe. So yeah, he's I, I love I love Kronk. He's I, he gets so much for his commentary because he has so many funny moments. Uh, yeah. I think there was the one where he's like, "Oh, and that's turned the game on its head." The uh, this is the uh, eighth wonder of the world. That's what, and he just kept saying the most random things, and he just kept going on and on and on. There's like a copy pastor about it on R slash NRL actually that you like, you just copy and paste what he said, but you just change it to whatever teams are playing. <laughs> um, I'll send it. I'll send it to you afterwards. Actually, we can put it on our page. Uh, just on the story. But yeah, basically, I think that despite his gaps, he's actually a really smart bloke when he's talking about analysis. Mm. Yeah. I love the video of him on NRL 360, absolutely giving it to, to Buzz. Buzz as well. That is, that's an all-time classic, so yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah okay, so I'm... I do want yeah. to move on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just okay. want to quickly talk about the tackle. Um, I... The tackle. Look, oh, I, I don't think it was... Yeah, the tackle on Smith. Oh, look, I can't blame Tolman for the second go because it does feel like he's still moving a little. Obviously, Smith still thinks he's moving a little, hence why he moved off the mark. Yeah, okay. The the both of them thought that the tackle was still going, so it's weird of Smith to want a six again when he's reeling away. Mm. Because it wasn't an attempt. It wasn't just an attempt to play the ball. It was stepping forward. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what's what happened after that? Oh, oh, this is a fun one. The what's Knights that? and the Rabbitohs. Oh yeah. Um, I don't have much to say here except like 
<laughs> oh god. My major stat here is twenty six for how is it? Twenty six tackles in the so Knights had twenty six tackles in their twenty meter zone. So like they were tackling mm. the Rabdos in their twenty meter. Five tries were let in in twenty six tackles. Yeah, that's that's not great. No. That's basically a try every set. Um that's so what was that again? Was that uh Rabido scoring in the Knights area? Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean it's not surprising when you see the amount of points that they racked up, but obviously you don't want that. I think there are a few standouts. Um once again I think Clune was really high motor. Uh yep. It impressed me, but I also want to point out that he was not the controlling half this game. Milford, oh, Milford. touched the Milford touched the ball fifty nine times compared to Clune's forty three. Okay. Um, I think Milford did have a great game, but I also think that Milford touching the ball more than the seven is historically a very very bad sign. Yeah. Uh, because of how it, yeah how things went to the Broncos, so I think. We you have know, a, an entire uh, section on that in like one of our past podcasts, and where we broke that down. Yeah, exactly. We like when it. we're talking, we no, it's it's not good at all because it it doesn't play to Milford's strengths. Uh, obviously, he's done well in a seven role when he played there for Samoa, but I you want to play a playing where they play their best footy. Yeah, and he, yeah, I think as great as he is. Him getting the ball more than Clune is a bit, mm. but I also do think the breakdown of how a lot of it happens. I think he played pretty well. I uh, noted that he was running deeper into the line and that his kicking was the main thing that was helping the Knights. Uh, yeah, kicking no, game. well, he was. Yeah, uh, looking at the stats now, he had two grubbers, one crossfield kick. He forced one dropout. He kicked one dead, uh, and there were four bombs. Which honestly, mm. that's pretty. It's pretty versatile, and he's a pretty crafty player. Yeah. Milford is one of my favorite players to watch when kicking because he often likes to do these short little touch crossfield kicks. We see it in a try sister, the Broncos against Warriors game last year. But yeah, he he's one of my favorite players to watch when he's on. But I think that him touching the ball more than Clune, it. Mm. I guess it can be okay if it's done if they're sharing first receiver duties and the other touches are coming from Milford at second receiver. But let let Milford play more at second receiver. You want that. Something I've always liked about Clune is how he can do a cutout pass. Like Clune? Clune. Clune, I yeah. love his cutout passes. He, yeah, I think there's a few times where he hasn't quite stuck the mark on his cutout. But what I will say is that he he does have a pretty good awareness when it comes to watching the winger. Uh, and usually, especially we saw this in preseason against Jaden Ockenball, uh, where Ockenball kind of jams in. And you did an analysis on this one too. It was one of the first um, posts on the page, I believe. Yeah, the course. analysis of the preseason game where Ockenball jams in on Ponga, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And because of Ponga's presence, Kloon recognizes what's happening there. And, you know, it's good situational awareness and he just hits his winger. So that's, it's, you know, it doesn't always have to be the winger. It can be the center. You can go wherever the winger is jamming. Uh, whoever's really. The, who's ever's most outside, to be honest. It can be a yeah. second rower. 
at that point. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Just or even you know, you don't always have to get the try assist yourself. Mm. You can because you know this is something we've spoke about with Cherry Evans, who is very good at hitting his center when the winger jams on the center, yeah. because that way the center can just put the winger in open space. Uh, I think. So yeah, other than that, I want to say that I think that the Knights forwards, they were actually winning this game um, up until a certain point. Lumber centers they, were so much better than this game. I think. I think it was kick chase. They were. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. Speed. I wanted to note that Anthony Milford in the kick chases was fantastic too. Yeah. I think Adam Clune was setting that pace early, but you know, Anthony Milford is the last guy in the world that you think of as a hard working one percenter player. So I guess I'm really happy to see him go out and do that. And but that's you noted a couple of weeks ago when uh Benji spoke about Milford. Uh if a coach asks you to do ten push ups, he'll do nine. Is that not what you said? It was it was about eight. That's it's yeah. allegedly what Benji said, but I think it was coming from Cooper or Buzz who said that Benji oh, said that. Jesus then God. Wayne Bennett said that Benji didn't say so there's so much who said or what said this said. But obviously everyone everyone Milford has that reputation for being lazy because of how he played at the Broncos, the shape he was in. Yeah. And yeah. But I think that he's he's obviously got something to prove and seeing him getting as involved in the key chases, it reminds me of his days at the Raiders. Because um, oh, people, that people don't. That it's hurts. that was. I personally think that Raiders Milford was one of the oh, best iterations of Milford. Yeah, I just suck. We lost. I'm I'm just sucky. We lost them. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, this is everyone. It's on YouTube. Go and rewatch the 2014 round one game between the Cowboys and the Raiders. Is this the one it's, where we lose? Yeah. Don't Keeks. Don't you watch it? <laughs> Keeks is actually wearing his Cowboys jersey today, so he's allowed to watch this game as a treat. Um, so basically, Milford and Michael Morgan are the fullbacks. Anthony Milford's effort plays were insanely good. He has a rampaging Jason Tamalolo running towards him, and he goes to make the legs tackle, and he pulls it off. <laughs> That's So this is like... Anthony Milford was very, very, very good, and he still is. So that's... I just wanted to mention that to bring context that Anthony Milford wasn't always this lazy player at the Broncos uh, that he's perceived to be. He was actually a great effort player. And it all came from the green machine. Remember that. <laughs> um, well, obviously, Milford loves Ricky Stewart so much. Why not go and join? Exactly right. All right. <laughs> um, They're passing wow. the first 20 minutes is watching a great... In, under eight side passing, I reckon. That was absolutely terrible. That was one of the worst things that I, it, I, you know, if it, I, truthfully, I think I forgot about just how bad that was because of Luke Brooks, um, <laughs> because that kind of distracted me from the other mishaps of the round. I don't know if you remember when Fox League used to do this get them on side video where it was just three minutes of a guy commentating everyone's errors. Uh, no, what? I, I personally think that this match would have led to like a 60-minute episode of that. <laughs> it was just so frustrating to watch. They It obviously worked they won. Um, but, jeez. Losing Ilya's second tackle hurt them a lot. You it did. It. It did. It also sucks because I really wanted to watch Ilias. Yeah. Um, I think he he doesn't he doesn't get involved as much as some halves you want to do, but he does a really nice job at digging into the line 
He can shape his grubber. He's he's just one of those players you have fun watching. Um, not for the amazing bits, but just for the little little things he does. Uh, Silva Havili playing seventy one minutes. Mm. That was very interesting. That was... I always I always thought that he looked gassed, not playing that many minutes. But I do think that he's actually quite a crafty player. Um, I like his position getting behind the rock. I think his service is decent. He can run. He's a powerful runner. Uh, I basically think of him as just Brandon Smith before Brandon Smith, really, because of his size. Um, and it, 71 minutes, which is really impressive. Know, to be honest. Um, who played the remainder? Just Cody Nicarima, I would imagine. Probably. I mean, I... I have to rewatch and see what happens, but I think they also had. Because um, who did they? They had Richie Kenner come into wing. Uh, Latrell obviously uh, was playing. Yeah, you always know he's playing when he's playing. Oh yeah, I think he was playing at the end of the like five seconds ago in this game. <laughs> oh boy. Uh... <laughs> I, yeah. When Ilias went off, though, you can see that Walker stepped up with the kicking. Like, I usually don't he notice um, Walker kicking long and high, but he did. And it yeah, well, if anyone remembers earlier in this episode where we talked about the kick errors and Luke Brooks, uh, Cody Walker is also pretty high in that regard. Um, mm. So it was, it was nice to see him step up a bit. I thought he had a pretty decent game, obviously, you know. It's pretty hard to lay on three tries this by accident. Yeah. So that's I think Cody Walker did show part of what made him so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, last year at least. I was watching <laughs> like an old game. I can't remember what year, but this was the spine. Cody Walker fullback, Greg Inglis five eight, Reynolds seven, Cookie nine, and I'm like. Can you imagine if that was still the spine today? You would have still the greatest, one of the greatest halfbacks feeding Greg Inglis, one of the most powerful ball runners in the history of rugby league. And then outside of him is Cody Walker, who can just lay out a pass brilliantly. And then you've got Cookie, who can just run through the middle of the field. It's... It's it's, it's pretty dream. fantastic. It's it is a fever dream. It's it's one of those teams that like I don't know if you ever played NBA two K, but they have like classic teams where you can play as. So you can play as like the twenty eleven, you know, San Antonio Spurs or whatever. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those teams where you would have it as a classic team in a new rugby league video game just because it's so fun. Oh. So that's the Burgess brothers in as your calls. <laughs> oh god. RDL, they're massive. Um, yeah, speaking of messages, if you took a look at all the hit-ups that Thomas Burgess took, he took 17 of them. He on Kloa Matangi with 15, Tavita Totola with 15. So, obviously, uh, that was a massive job to have the forward step up for them. Uh, yeah, I honestly... It didn't look like they were in it for the first 20, and then... I thought, yeah. oh, here we go. It's another Dragons game. But they still... <laughs> it's... They were able to build pressure, and I think 
that's where KP was missing was that Tex Hoy was under pressure a lot and he couldn't read defensively as well as KP can. I think that's what an underrated game of KP is, is he can read attacking shapes and he's good defensively yeah. in that regard. Which is, Hoy is so weird because everyone keeps criticizing Kalen Ponga for his defense. But I I don't know. I feel like it's because a few times he went for the intercept instead of the tackle. But he's not hmm. like there's this there's this myth that he is a liability in defense, but it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Actually, in game one for Queensland, I thought his defensive positioning was fantastic. And if anything, it reminded me of Lachlan Coote for the Cowboys, who I have massive wraps on for defensive positioning. So once again, I think this is just a lot of rugby league viewers getting it wrong about KP. Um, that million-dollar uh, contract is going to haunt him. Um, it will. Every time he makes a mistake, it'll get brought up. But he's one of the guys where I think he gets paid a million dollars, but he actually does earn it. Yeah. Uh, people just don't see the manner in which he does so because, once again, he still has this reputation as just only being a player that looks good on highlights, but it's, it's not true. No, uh, not at all. Um, I think we can move on from here. Yeah, we could pretty go. much. So, I didn't watch this game. I'm going to be honest with you. So, Jacob's going to take most of this. Yeah, Broncos and uh, uh, Broncos Dragons. and Dragons. Uh, first thing I'll say is that the fullbacks from both teams were absolutely fantastic. Cody Ramsey and Tessie New. Uh, Tessie New did an amazing job at getting himself into space for jockey runs. He, you just felt like he was everywhere. Every time something was happening, Tessini was around. Uh, he led the team in run meters with 171, Jeez. which is very impressive, you know. Um, just running through it, seeing all the things he did in that game. He had three line break assists, two line breaks, two try assists, seven tackle breaks. Um, he touched the ball 36 times, which is, you know, quite nice. Yeah, wow. For a fullback, so that's you know that's that's only one less than Ezra Man. So that's you know that's very impressive. Um, it's not really much more that can be said for that. How uh, I thought there were many times did Renault touch it because we talk a lot um, about Hastings touching the ball and being that controlling seven. Fifty-two. He touched for fifty-two, okay. which pretty it's pretty good. I think Hastings touching the ball is a double-edged sword uh, because it. I think there was something Cooper can't talk about. I haven't watched the episode, but I heard it just wait a moment. Because oh, he, he touches the compresses the line a lot more by doing unders and then with that depressed uh compressed line, that's when he's able oh, to Oh no, this shape. is that that was another thing Clark okay. said about uh that one was about Reynolds. Yeah, that is I will we'll talk about it now actually. So basically in the first half, Reynolds was setting up that outside shift by compressing the line. Mm-hmm. throwing the inside ball, basically, as Keyes just said. And it's something that I think Sean Johnson was good at a few years ago, someone pointed out. And it's a fantastic job at keeping the defense honest and keeping them on the inside to prepare for those forwards, yeah. especially when you look at some of the players that the Broncos have in the forwards. Uh, Zach Hosking had his debut, and it was a very was good doing. debut. It, he was very good. I saw um, the stats, holy hell. His, not, just, not just the stats, but it was the effort areas. It was the things like his kick chase. Um, as a kick would go up and you notice that he was there the moment that the player received the ball. And obviously that's, it's exactly what you want. 
Yeah. Um, basically, the, the Broncos forwards did pretty well. Katoni Staggs had uh, probably the most Staggs game ever. Uh, it was basically his best and worst moments thrown into the one game. Was he just chucking uh, kids around again? He was he was chucking everyone around, but he was also just doing the funniest, most "why did you do that" things. Yeah, I think we we posted the uh, bloke in a bar stags moment thing like twenty times in like this Discord thread during the game. Uh, basically, every time he oh. fended someone or every time he did something weird. Uh, but yeah, basically he he played pretty well. He was a big part of what a team won. On the topic of errors, Tessie New still had four of them, which feels really weird because it felt like it was a game where he just did no wrong. Um, Big question here. Yeah? You, okay, we have potentially we have four people that could be the fullback for ne- next year. Mm. Martin, Walsh, New, and potentially Cobo. Yeah, so... That's a big decision for Walters. First, on... First and foremost with Cobo, I'm going to rule him out, and there's a few reasons. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, he's been pretty underwhelming in the position when he's played there, which isn't a shot at him because he's very young, yeah. and being an NRL fullback is actually a very hard thing to do. Um, some no people there. don't. Yeah, no, there's no surprise. Uh, but also because Cobo has said that he's happy playing on the wing, mm-hmm. and he's also an origin representative now, and he's kept that spot throughout the series for Queensland. So, do you really move a guy where he is a sure thing on the wing? You know that he's the Queensland winger. Mm. Do you move him to the fullback when you don't, when historically he hasn't done that level of performance? Or should you just keep him where he's performed? Um, I think keeping him where he's performed makes sense when you have an option like Reese Walsh. Yeah. Reese Walsh is an absolutely fantastic kick returner and playmaker. Uh, in terms of attacking threats at fullbacks, I think he's one of the best in the NRL. Mm. Um, and that's not just for his highlight ability, but it's for the way that, you know, he's able to get those spirals out. The fact he can kick well, the fact because, you know, he's a goal-kicking fullback as well. He has the same abilities that you would get from a 5'8", but he translates them to fullback. And his running is, once again, incredible. Uh, he averages about... Yeah, so... Uh, he averages about 140 run meters a game mm-hmm. this year, which is, that's very impressive. Yeah, wow. You typically want your backline players hitting around 100. That's impressive. So 140, it's pretty cool. Um, that's why he was selected in the extended squad for Origin, by the way. Yeah, exactly. That's he, he brings that same explosiveness through his kick returns. And that's something the Broncos have kind of missed with Tamayo Martin. I love Tomorrow Martin, but he's had two games this season where he's ran for under 40 meters, um, which as a fullback, as a kick returner, running under 40 meters is probably a bit of a no-no. Um, I say that despite having great raps on Martin. I think he's fantastic. I think he's very talented. I think it's one of the most amazing rugby league stories ever, the fact he's even playing NRL again. 100%. So it does hurt me to say that, but I think that Walsh should be the fullback. Because yep. looking at the who who were our other options, there was I think Farnworth. I think also some people spoke about, but I don't think it'll be him. Yeah, someone that, News Corp came out and said, "Oh, Farnworth wanted to be the long-term fullback, but now that Walsh has signed, that's no longer an option." It's like, 
When did he ever mention wanting to be the long-term yeah, quarterback? Yeah, it's, it's obviously some weird inside talk coming out of wherever um, because if that was the case, why would Farnworth be signed when there were other fullbacks in the team? Yeah. That's, that's just a it's, brain it's, scratch and being like, what? It's one of those music huddles that makes you just go, where did where'd you think of this? You know, like a, a few weeks ago, there was the article that said Brooks was set to be dropped. Um, and he was supposed to play hooker this game. <laughs> plenty, plenty of Luke Brooks takes that never actually happened. Oh. <laughs> You're going to have a spaz one day over Luke Brooks now. He's become. Have I not favorite. already? Okay, Have I not like already? It was worse because you it was, spoke about him for like fifteen minutes. It was so funny. Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad a few weeks ago where there was basically they had a massive overlap, and he threw this inside ball to a guy who wasn't even running a line. He was just jogging around the rock. It's it's kind of like if you ever play, you know, rugby league live, and you accidentally throw the ball to someone who's just standing there instead of the actual target. <laughs> it it just it just looked like a like Luke Brooks glitched for a bit, and he just threw it to like an NPC. Oh, so, that's funny. but yeah, that's basically. Um, what was the question? I think I've just randomly delved into dunking on Luke Brooks again. Oh. Which hurts because he puts in so much effort and I really, really want to get behind him. Like, what was it? Um, one of the games last year where he made a line break, I think it was before Cowboys Broncos, because this is when the COVID bubble was happening. I was there. I was yelling. I was like, go, Brooksy, go. Because, you know, I was I was so happy and I really wanted him to do well. But, you know, you have so much faith in a guy and then he throws that inside ball. <laughs> You know what? I didn't even know what the question was. Oh, who should be fullback for Broncos next year? Oh, Reese Wolf. Okay, even... there you go. Cool. Where's Tessie Nugo? Not... Where does Tessie Nugo? Dolphins, hopefully. Um, yeah. I think he deserves. I think he's definitely got the potential to play first grade because what he did on the weekend was, you know, obviously lots of people, especially Broncos fans, don't like Tessie New because of his defensive abilities. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to remember that he's like twenty. Oh yeah. Um. Tessie Neal is far from the finished product. And, you know, when Reese Walsh was having these games, we were talking about him as Rookie of the Year. But Tessie Neal has this game, and we're talking about, oh, why can't Tamari play again? Mm. Which I think is so, so stupid, because I, I love Tamari, but once again, you everyone's just seen what Tessie Neal did, right? Yeah. And if... If Farnworth is going to be out for the rest of the season with his bicep injury, then why not consider putting Tessie New in the centres instead yeah. of Branko Lee? Um, obviously, you don't want to shake up something that's winning, and mm. Branko Lee has actually been pretty pretty solid, you know? Yeah, Much uh, worse players than origin legend Branko Lee. And his cousin, uh, cousin sorry, Edric Lee. Edric Lee was also an origin legend. The other week. That was amazing. That was um, good. That was also, good. on the topic of Reynolds, I just want to say that the kick pressure is really hitting him hard now. I spoke um, about this with someone else a couple of days ago. Um, they said, oh, why does Reynolds always keep getting injured? I- I'm actually glad they didn't. Well, well, if you think about it, at Souths, Reynolds wasn't the only person that was a dangerous threat to that team. He 
Also, the nature in which he got the ball. He was getting the ball as a second receiver off the back of Murray digging into the line. So he had more space to react. He knew where he could be the defensive line. At the Broncos, he's always first receiver. That's a very different ball game. You had you had at South you had Murray, Burgess, Renault, Walker, and Latrell, all to look out for. And all you had to do is like you had five people to like get out of a game. But like Reynolds here, you you just have that one person to pick out. But like now as the game's going on, as the year's going on, you're starting to get more of those threats. You've got Cobbo, you've got Carrigan, you've got Haas, um, you've got Martin yeah. to look out for sometimes. If there's, any NRL, if there's any NRL teams listening, please do not flog Tamari Martin. Yeah, look, the Cowboys <laughs> for, already kind of did for, that a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, for obvious reasons, please do not target Tamari Martin. Be nice, that, all right? That Be is, nice. That, that's becoming like a full-on ethical issue if you're doing that. Um. Especially to you Warriors fans. Um, you know, apparently he's going over to New Zealand to a place. Um, if that happens, I wouldn't not, mind that. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind it. To be honest, I don't think if, there's anyone else coming through that can play fullback for him. I haven't, like, I haven't looked into it, to be honest. Well, they've got... um. They've they've signed the boy from your Raiders. Fuck. That's right. <laughs> He's. <laughs> oh, don't remind me about that. It's uh. Mm. Look, I don't think Xavier Savage is that bad. I think he's young, and I think he'll learn. I think he's got good motor. And it's also really funny when Rapiner plays fullback. I love Rapiner. Rapiner is also on my wing. Everyone loves. Everyone in Canberra loves Rapiner. Everyone Rapiner else and Holmes are my ringers on my did, walls. Also, just want to say, did you see the uh, image that came out of the Canberra <laughs> yes. training room with the yes. roofs? Yeah. We, oh. we couldn't mention Rapiner without mentioning that. Oh, um, there's this Instagram account I follow, like on all my accounts. Her name is Roaming with Bell. If you haven't oh, seen her... Oh, yeah, yeah, I know her. Biggest Raiders fangirl I've ever met. Love her. She's awesome. She's yeah. awesome. Um, I follow her on TikTok, and me and her have, like, fat chats, so that's good. Uh, oh, that's great. Her best friend is Brad Mor- Morks. I think that's how you say his last name. He plays center. Uh, he played in the under-19s origin a couple of weeks ago, uh, and oh. I said, like, oh, he, like, beat, like, three of my best mates in that game, so, you know, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Brad. Thanks, Bell. <laughs> uh, oh, it, oh, I don't know. It's hard to explain this great. joke, but um, I so like the boys were asking me of like, um, like how good are these blokes? Because I know them personally. Uh, that's yeah. And I, I say something about Eddie Ham. It's just the Matt, the Matt Nabel. How good is this bloke? Oh yeah, and then um, I go, oh yeah, Eddie, he was the greatest bloke. <laughs> he was like he was the greatest player, and like, I meant to say he he was he was so nice to everyone he met, and that, oh, that, that's me personally saying like, at, like you've got me doing team. the you've got me doing the first and laugh because I know exactly what you're about to get into. And now. um, someone posts, oh, it sounds like um, it's sounding it's like he's dead Discord. for yeah. what you said, and I'm like, oh crap, and then someone posts a meme saying. Rest in peace, Eddie Hampton. I'm like, oh, God. I've already 
mean this poor kid's career. He hasn't even started. Mm. He's contracted to Newcastle for next year. Uh, that is that is actually uh, that was that was great, man. I absolutely love that Discord server. Um, what was another one? Oh, <laughs> something about Luke Jack. Um, someone. Oh, we were having a discussion, saying, um. <laughs> what team was better that this bloke called Cofane Hill was in? And I just wanted to say, aren't you the guy that is tr- that's trying to be in Chad Ch- Tanzan's vlogs? Because at the start of Chad's new vlog, it's him uh, and a couple of other Blackhawks boys all saying, yeah, when Chad starts the, um, the vlog up. And I'm just sitting there laughing. It's like, you're off your heads. It was That's, that's goated behavior getting in Chad Tanzan's vlog. I'm like... You know what? I want to be in Chad's vlog this episode. I'll, I'll go to the golf, golf course and challenge Scott Drinkwater to a game of golf, even though I've <laughs> never played before. Uh, that's honestly good on any boys that had managed to get into the vlog. That's that's also great fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also on the topic, uh, Eddie Hampson, he started in Q Cup in the weekend. Yes. Uh, so bad of him. Hell of a game. Um and then got sin binned. I don't know why did he get sin binned. Still don't know. I I have to rewatch the game. Because I, I can't um, I can't rewatch the game because it's not on KO. It's so dumb. Like that Let us watch the Black Hawks. thing. Yeah. Didn't we beat them seventy two nil? We it was yep it was a big score. My lord. Um, and obviously because I think Eddie ran for over hundred meters. He had a fantastic game. But all the for counts, a dead guy, he, that's pretty good. <laughs> we bagged a couple tries as well, so oh, good on him. Yeah, you know, for a kid that's pretty much yeah, seventy-two nil for a kid that's our age, for him to, um, yeah, he, he scored the opening try in the third minute. Good so on him. that's hell of a game. Um, I think that's all we have time for this episode. It's been funny, you know. It's it's been funny. We like adding um, this humorous stuff in there every now and then. We do. We. We um, enjoy our rugby league, or, or as you could rephrase it, we love our footy. We love our footy. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>